0: BFM 89.9, good morning at 7:06 a.m. on Wednesday, the 29th of November. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. and Anwar Mahbob. In half an hour, we're going to discuss U.S. consumption data coming out of the Black Friday shopping weekend extravaganza and what this indicates about the strength of the U.S. economy. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight.
1: Going through the markets roundup, Uh, for U.S. markets, the Dow rose up 0.2%, the S&P 500 uh, rose up 0.1%, and the NASDAQ was up 0.3%. But for Asian markets, it was fairly red. Nikkei was down 0.1%, Hang Seng was down 1%, and Shanghai Composite was up 0.2%, SCI down 0.7%, and our own FBM KLCI was flat. Like a pancake.
0: (laughs) Delicious pancakes. But let's
1: see how it looks later at 9 o'clock.
0: Well, for some insights into what's moving international markets, we have on the line with us Jack Kuzi, Director for Strategy at VFS Group. Jack, good morning. I'm hearing analysts call this a November to remember. And if we look at the uh, performance of markets over the course of the year, the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 index has soared nearly 47% year-to-date, while the broader-based S&P 500 is up 20%. Uh, is it tech stocks where investors should continue to place their funds over the coming months?
2: Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm a waffle guy myself <laughs> out, as opposed to pancakes. Uh, big divergence, you know, it's a massive divergence. I think I read this yesterday. Uh, 26% of the S&P 500 is made up of the magnificent seven. Um, yes, The answer is yes. I mean, this is the only strategy that you have in equities at the moment. Uh, And I know I say that with a bit of off the cuff, but really it is. I mean, what is driving this market? It is a handful of stocks and, you know, some outliers, but pretty much dominantly uh, made up by tech. And I remember some conversations we had last year, you know, when markets were falling uh, and, you know, we continue to say, because you say, these are you know generational buys. You're, you can pick up these Microsoft and these Apples down 30%, which we haven't seen in quite a long time. This is the only trade that's probably going to work for a while until it doesn't. Um, you know, I often say technology is no longer a sector. It's the driving force behind all sectors. Uh, and I still think this is going to be the only trade going into the first quarter next year. And, you know, it's a crowded trade, but... It's the only one that's working, and it's certainly worked this year. There's no doubt about it, and and there are reasons for it. I mm. mean, you're talking about companies that, you know, it's not just a, a you know a, you know a silent or just dump your money in without thinking about it. They've got great growth, they've got free cash flow, um, they're in multiple industries. You know, they're fantastic companies, and they're being bought for a reason. And every other sector is really depressed. Utilities are down, banks are down, mm. energy's down. Um, it's all about tech, and and that's certainly been the case this year.
3: Well, this once-in-a-generation trade really shows its dispersion and divergence of how the markets are performing. Can I ask you Hmm. right next year, are you in no-landing camp, hard-landing camp, or soft-landing camp?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, we seem to change our minds every couple of months. Uh, Look, I am a, a, a bull. Right. And I've always been a bull, and you, and you know, we know this. But, you know, at some stage, we've got to pay the price for zero interest rates for 10 years, uh, the shock of COVID, um, you know, the, the continued, you know, valuations that we get. Mm. But the consumer continues to remain strong in the US. So I think we're going to see a soft landing. Now, whether the market, you know, how the market reacts to that soft landing, we don't know at this point in time. But I, I'm in the soft landing camp at this stage.
1: Well, so far, we heard a lot about NVIDIA news last week, and they've enjoyed uncontested success. But now AMD's Mm. entry into generative AI, this might disrupt their monopoly in the future. Now, does AMD have the potential to rival NVIDIA in this space and take market share away from them?
2: No. Next question. (laughs) I (laughs) mean, no. I mean, I... um You know, let's go to the streaming wars. You know, there's one king of streaming, and it's Netflix. That's purely being shown now. Um, And there's one king or queen or royal family of AI chips, and it's NVIDIA. I mean, the deal between Amazon and NVIDIA that we saw overnight um, is further uh, reinforcing how far ahead they are. Um, You know, you talk about the expansion in enterprise, you know, that's going to come. You talk about their reports where they've got demand as far into 2027, and then, then every other company that wants to expand whatever it is around their AI, that's specific, they want an NVIDIA chip. That's not going to change. You know, Jensen has been working on this. He has early in mover advantage, Um, they have the resources to do it. Uh, I don't see it. Yes, you know, there will be AI chips that aren't as good that will be used for certain purposes like we have in every other industry. Um, But unless something cataclysmic happens, they are number one and they will remain number one for decades going on.
3: Yeah, but some will argue that actually because there's so much demand for it, there could be some spillover that the likes of AMD could enjoy, although it's true that NVIDIA has an unparalleled
2: advantage, right? Can there be some gains in the periphery for the likes of AMD? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at chips, you know, when we talk about, you know, chips over the last 20 years, there are lower end chips where, you know, other makers around the world do very well around that um and make great profits for their companies and their great performing share price but if you want to talk about the high-end chips you know mm-hmm. i don't see that being disrupted and then when you got a high-end chip you can charge for that high-end chip um that i don't see being yeah, disrupted. Premium cool. but there's certainly room yeah there's mm-hmm. certainly room for other players to come in because it's such a massive industry going forward
0: Maybe still sticking to the topic of AI, Jack, very quickly, uh, which listed Chinese AI players do you have your eye on? Do you see any of them having the potential to compete against uh, U.S. counterparts like NVIDIA and Microsoft?
2: Yeah, probably not yet. Um, you know, the names that come to mind are Baidu and SenseTime. Uh, but I look at something like a Pindu Duo had our outstanding report. You know, how do they integrate AI into an already booming business? I'll all end on this. Ch- China's AI boom has yet to begin. Um, I think you're going to see a bit of a lag, like we saw in their tech companies that arise. And one thing that people have to understand is China is actually trying to regulate AI before they go on this spin wheel, which no other country is trying to do at this point in time. So, I think you're going to see a a delay in the AI apps uh, coming on board from China uh, for at least somewhat time.
1: Now, Jack, sad news overnight, investment icon Charlie Munger, co-founder of Berkshire Hathaway, passed away in 99. Now, what do you see as his legacy? I mean, what do you think of uh, his legacy to an investment world?
2: I mean, you know, he's the ultimate conciliary. Um, and, you know, his legacy has been built. Uh, I think, you know, we always talk about the big moves that Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett made, but I think their legacy is they taught uh, waves of investors, retail investors, um, that you don't have to overcomplicate investing. You have to look at the business, Um, you know, value investing will live on forever. But, you know, just, you know, often say that stock market is the greatest wealth creator in town because there are so low barriers to entry. And I think they, you know, eliminated a lot of those barriers for uh, people from all demographics, um, all religions, all sects, all creeds from all around the world. And I think that's their biggest legacy going forward.
0: Jack, thanks very much. His biggest legacy. Thanks very much for speaking to us. That was Jack Cousy, Director for Strategy at VFS Group, ending the conversation there uh, with some comments on Charlie Munger, who uh, passed away uh, overnight at the age of 99.
3: The ultimate sidekick to Warren Buffett, the Robin to Batman.
0: Pretty much, yeah. They've been this dynamic duo in the investing world for so long. Mm. I think their partnership spanned, what, 60 years? That's, That's right. more than some marriages. Um, and it really is the end of an era with the passing of Munger.
1: Now, Baksha averaged an annual gain of 20.1% from 65 to 22.1% almost twice the space of, uh, pace of S&P 500 index. So that is quite an achievement already.
3: Yeah, it's right. I think the legacy really has been that democratisation of investment, yes. right? I think what I think he did with Warren Buffett is really just make investing, you know, in markets which were always viewed as complicated, just more accessible. And I love some of the logics he put in, like the lula-palooza effect about how multiple biases actually forces you to in the same direction, or even the principle of inversion that actually many problems can't be solved backward, forward, that It's best to be addressed backwards.
1: So, with Mungus Help, now, you know, uh, Baksha way. I mean, with Mungus Help, Warren Buffett, he began assembling insurance, railroad manufacturing and consumer goods conglomerate yeah. and he posted nearly $24 billion off of operating profit in 2019. That's quite sizable. That is a big, big achievement. It's very
3: sizable, right? And I think one of the things about, uh, you know, Berkshire Hathaway is that they have really, you know, led the way in, in, in right. really keeping alive some of these traditional stocks. Although if you look at where the markets are heading, it's still quite digital-centric. You know, one of the things that Munger said was that he was actually very critical of cryptos, right? He referred to yeah. Bitcoin as this noxious poison that people who know how to take advantage essentially of the gambling, gambling instincts uh, was his reference here to Robin Hood at that time.
0: <laughs> I think the dynamic duo has have always been um, their their views on tech. I think they were a bit slow to come onto the yes. tech bandwagon, right? I mean, when everybody else had already bought into Apple, I think they took some time to, to really get into that tech space. Um, and I Munger is going to be remembered for his acerbic wit. I think there have been a lot of witty repartees between him and uh, Warren Buffett but also don't forget that he was a controversial character in his own self he had a lot of interesting and controversial proposals like that hostel or that dormitory that he wanted to build in California he designed uh, this multi-hundred room dormitory that uh, a lot of didn't have windows I think it got a lot of flack
3: and the logic was
0: and the logic was (laughs) that he wanted to resolve the housing or the housing crisis for students and so he put money towards building that but ultimately it was scrapped because there was just so much backlash against it so in in a way he because he's been around for so long he sometimes brought ideas from another era as well mm-hmm. which maybe doesn't gel with how current uh, how the current generation thinks of things yeah. but no doubt he has had such an impact.
3: At 99 years old I mean as you say I think his lifespan multiple generations and you know Shaz I was just very motivated that I perhaps I might pick up his book Poor Charlie's Almanac The Wit and Wisdom of Charlie Manga.
0: Alright well let's see that go up in the Amazon lists I suppose. Uh, it is coming up to 7.18 we're gonna take a quick break but We'll come back with more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.